Hey, how's it going? It's Pastor Josh here, and I want to welcome you to Downey First Christian Church. If you're here for the first time, we are so glad that you've decided to spend this Sunday morning with us. We're not here in person, but it doesn't matter. We are still connected through the internet, and uh, I just want to make sure that if you're here for the first time, that you feel welcome. We are a church of wide open doors, and we just want to make you feel right at home. And so if you're here for the first time, I just want to say welcome, and our desire for you is that first of all, you'll make Jesus the Lord of your life, because Jesus has changed our lives completely. There's a before and an after. We are Jesus people. We are Jesus followers. And we would love for you to also become a Jesus follower, just like us in your own time. And so that's number one. Number two, we would love it if you would make Downey First Christian Church your church home. Uh, this is a, a church of wide open doors, just like I said before. And our desire is that when we come back and we're, we're having uh, in-person services, that you'll make the decision to make Downey First Christian Church your church. Church. And so I just want to say welcome. Uh, a couple other things that I want to mention before uh, we continue is that if you've been a part of our church for a while, you've been in in-person services and you're now watching online and you're just part of, D of DFCC, uh, I just want to remind you to, to invite invite your friends. And now you may think, well, we're not inviting them to a physical space. That doesn't matter. It's even easier now because all you have to do literally is push a button. So I want to invite you, if you're on YouTube, if you're on Facebook, if you're on your phone, wherever it is that you're watching me say this, that you will push share on your phone, wherever you're at, share it with your contacts so that they can know what's happening at our church. And I just want to say welcome to all of you guys. And uh, a couple other things that I want to share just real quick is that um, for our youth and for uh, our children, we have a link right under uh, this uh, YouTube video. You can press a link and then you can go uh, to content that has been made specifically for your age group. So you can do that right now if you want to. And so we're going to continue now uh, with our verse. Let's go uh, to Mark. To Mark, if you have a Bible, go ahead and, and uh, look that up. But if you don't, that's totally fine. Uh, you're going to be able to see it here on the screen. It's Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17. It says, it says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, he was telling this guy. Uh, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he answered, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said once again, so he repeats the same phrase, children, how hard it is uh, to enter the kingdom of God. Of God. It is easier, listen to this, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. I want to talk to you today about the concept, the gap. The gap. And what I mean by the gap is this gap, this separation between man and God. But before we talk about that, let's go to our church announcements. Hello, my name is Sarah. I'm part of the team here at Downey First Christian, where we exist to love God, love people, and serve the world. Here are your announcements for May 3rd.
Sunday morning at home in front of a screen may not be what we are used to, but to help you participate in this form of loving God, together with our church family, we are providing resources to help you engage. If you have minors in your home that find it hard to pay attention, there are video lessons on our website that you can share with them. Whether they are not yet in school, in elementary, or middle and high school, you'll find weekly age-appropriate messages and activities for them. We are also including these activity pages in our weekly mailer. To help you worship with us, you can find the lyrics to the songs on our website in the section for each Sunday or included in the packet we are mailing to each family. And finally, make sure you have your communion elements on hand before starting the service. You don't want to be scrambling in the middle to find a cookie or drink so that you can participate at the proper time. How do we love God when we can't meet face to face? Currently, we have two opportunities to gather through technology. First of all, our growth groups are going strong. We are meeting using Zoom for prayer, encouragement, and to grow together in God's Word through discussion of that week's message. You can sign up to participate through our website, downyfirst.org. Also, Pastor Mark is hosting a growth track for those who want to learn about who we are as a church and how we are growing through loving God, loving people, and serving the world. If you would like to take part in this online gathering, Email mark at downyfirst.org. How are you serving others? Our church has become a place where thousands of people each week receive food through our Food Help Food Pantry. We have donation bins outside our cafe where you can drop off dry goods to help feed the hungry. But our church looks to serve the world, not just our local community. Did you know that each time you give to our church, you help feed, clothe, and educate abandoned children across the globe? Through our missions partners in Mexico, Korea, and Ecuador, essential work continues in children's homes and child sponsorship programs. Through partners like IDES, we continue to respond to natural disasters and impoverished communities. Our offerings are helping summer camp be possible at Angelus Crest. Leaders and missionaries throughout Eastern Europe and Asia are continuing their training to become better ministers for the kingdom of God. Our church gets to be part of all of this, through regular faithful giving. We may not be passing the offering plate, but you can still give online or via text. Through this time, join us in prayer, in reaching out to others, and in extending generosity for the needs of the kingdom so that many more will come to know the hope and love of God. See you next time. Have you ever looked at someone do something and you look at that person doing the thing that he's doing and you think to yourself, I could never do that? What I mean is like a person doing something amazing so I don't know what you, what you work in or what hobbies you have or that kind of stuff, but there, there are certain people in the areas that I work in, like, for example, in preaching or in drumming. Some of you guys don't know that I'm a drummer. I've been a drummer since 13 years old. In these two areas that are my life, preaching and drumming, um, there are the LeBron Jameses, I would call them, of drumming, and then there are the LeBron Jameses of preaching. So in other words, there are these guys that they're such amazing drummers and they're so amazing preachers that you think, I could never do that. Like, they're, they're just way too amazing. And so what happens to me when I, when I watch these guys do what they do is I think to myself, on the one hand, I'm inspired. Like, man, it's so amazing. You're just inspired to do better. But on the other hand, it's almost like frustration. It's like, why even try? Like, these guys are so amazing. I will never get to do what they're doing at the level that they're doing it at. Now, I think it's good to have this balance. And the reason why I think it's good to have this balance is because the result of that balance is self-awareness. In other words, you know who you are. Like you can challenge yourself to get better and get better and get better. But you understand that there are certain people that have reached such a peak in their capacity of the thing that they're doing that you realize I will never do that. 
I'm okay with that. I know who I am. I know who I'm not. And then you're able to have this self-awareness that allows you to be able to sort of work within the grace that God has given you. And that is, a, it's a great place to be. Now, there's the contrast of the people that have no self-awareness, right? Like the, the, the people that will, will take pictures of themselves and, and post them on Facebook or on Instagram. And you're thinking, I think they have an image of themselves that is not really accurate. Like they, they're thinking that maybe they look like a movie star. They'll compare themselves to a movie star. And they're like, there's not really that much difference. It'd be almost like, like me having a picture of myself and then right next to me, a picture of Thor. And I'm, and I'm thinking that, you know, this basically the same, it's basically the same thing, right? We look, we look alike, right? If I had no self-awareness, I would, under, I would think that way, possibly, you know? Or when you look at like, like American Idol auditions or America's Got Talent auditions, and you're listening to these auditions and you're listening to these people sing, and they're singing terrible, but they don't realize that they're singing terrible. So there's this disconnect between, between who they think they are and who they actually are, which means they have no self-awareness. And so when we talk about self-awareness, it is very important. Because, because there's a relationship between that whole idea and our relationship with God. In the sense that we need to understand that in our relationship with God, there is this gap between who I am and who I actually am. There's this, this disconnect between what it is that I think that I have to offer in this relationship and what I can actually offer. And so that's what I want to talk about a little bit today, because when we were talking about the story of the rich young ruler or this person that came up to Jesus wondering what he had to do to be saved, we understand that this guy came up to Jesus understanding that there was a gap. Like he understood that there was a gap between his, his status and his relationship with God because he wanted to enter heaven. He wanted to be part of the kingdom of God, but he knew that there was a disconnect. And so he comes up to Jesus and asks this very important question. He asks this. He says, what do I have to do? What do I have to do to enter eternal life? It's so interesting because, because the assumption that he had was that there was sort of a transaction that had to happen and that if he filled up that transaction that he would be able to enter the kingdom of God. And it's logical. I think that we can think that way as well because, because we do transactions every day. And we're not talking about just like financial transactions. I mean, if I, you know, if I go to the store, I'll pay and I'll get what I'm paying for. You know, if I plant a tree, I'll water the tree and the tree grows. You know, there's this transaction. If I get punched in the face, I might punch back. You know, there's this, there's this give and take in the way that we live our lives. And so the assumption of the rich young ruler, this guy that comes up to Jesus, is that in the same way that he had probably obtained his wealth, which means I invest, I get back, I do this, and I've obtained all these things in life, he assumed that the same was true in his relationship with God. That's why he comes up and he assumes. Okay, tell me what I have to do. In other words, give me a to-do list. I'll do the to-do list. And as a result of doing that to-do list, then I'll be able to enter the kingdom of God. So he wanted Jesus to explain to him what it is that he had to do. And it's so interesting that the way Jesus answers is completely the opposite of what he pictured, which is something that Jesus always does. He doesn't give him a to-do list. He says, why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? In other words, he was taking away the to-do list and he's like, let's talk about something else. Let's talk about goodness. What does it mean to be good? What is your definition of good? Because you just called me good 
And I just told you there's only one that is good, and that is God. So either you're calling me God, or you have a very different definition of what good means. You see, the assumption was that you have to be good to enter the kingdom of heaven. And that's why Jesus just starts listing off this to-do list. He's like saying, so this is what we're thinking that are the requirements to enter heaven. That's why he goes in verse 19 and says this. He says, you know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father father and mother. In other words, that's the to-do list, right? You know the to-do list. And if you do the to-do list, then you are good. And that means that you're qualified to enter the kingdom of heaven, right? And then he answers. This is very interesting. I love this part because he says, teacher, he says, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And when Jesus hears him say that, he answers. And I mean, he doesn't even say anything. He just, the scripture tells us that he, he looked at him and loved him which is so interesting to me because I, I don't think I ever under, understood really what that meant until I became a parent and actually a parent of teenagers. I have basically all teenagers now. And so there are these moments when you're interacting with your teenagers where you're frustrated and you're trying to explain the things and they come up to you with answers and you're trying to figure this whole thing out. And there are sometimes when you're frustrated because you're trying to get them to do what you're asking them to do. But then there are other times when you hear them say something and it's like you just look at them and you just love them. You love them, and, and, and in your mind, what you're thinking is, is you really have no idea how the world works, do you? And so when I think about that, I think about the way Jesus loved this rich young ruler, thinking in his mind, like, you really think that you've done all these things, haven't you? You really think that you're perfect. You don't understand. You're about to learn the lesson of your life. And I think about that, and I think about Jesus looking at him and saying, you are about to learn something so important. You don't get it now, but you're about to get it. And then it continues. He says, one thing you lack. So he gave him this whole list of things. These are all the things that I've already done, you know. He says, but one thing you lack. One thing you lack. And what does, what does, what does Jesus tell him? Here comes the test. He says this, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. And this is where we miss the point of the story, I think. Because common knowledge says, and this is what I grew up thinking. I grew up thinking, okay, so the guy now can't go to heaven because he didn't do what Jesus told him to do. In other words, if he would have sold everything and given it to the poor, he would have been able to get into heaven. The reason why he now can't go into heaven is because he's so greedy. If he would have just taken away the greed and he would have obeyed Christ, he would not have to be separated from God for eternity. We need to be very careful with this interpretation because there's something else that is happening here that is very, very important because what Jesus is doing with this guy is he's teaching him a lesson on goodness. Remember, that's the topic that he's introducing. He's introducing the topic of goodness. In other words, what does it actually mean to be good? So what he was doing with this guy is he was bringing him to the breaking point, to his breaking point, to the point where he has to say, I don't know what else to do. I have done A, I have done B. I have done C. What else? And God says, try D. See what happens. And he, was, he got to his breaking point. He's like, that's it. I can't do anything more. 
he realized that no matter what he did, it was never going to be enough. And this is the, this is the point of this lesson that Jesus is teaching this man. And it's not the first time that Jesus did this because Jesus does this over and over and over again. He's, he's bringing everyone that he's talking to to the breaking point to where you can understand that no matter what you do, there's going to be this gap between you and God. Remember Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking about this whole idea of, of the law and he's saying, you have heard it said before, do not commit murder, right? But I tell you that if you even insult someone, you, 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 you give an insult to someone, you have committed, committed murder in your heart. He says, you have heard it said in the law, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that if you look at a woman lustfully, you have committed adultery with her in your heart. So he's ramping everything up. He's bringing everyone to the point to where like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Then who can be saved? Like, it's almost like no one can be saved. And it's exactly what he was doing with the rich young ruler, with this, this guy. What was he doing? He said, he's basically telling him, you have heard it said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother, so all of these things. And in this case, Jesus was basically saying, saying to him, you have heard said all these things, but I tell you now, go and sell everything and see what happens. Now, the question that comes up is, well, okay, fine. Then what would have happened if he would have actually done what Jesus said for him to do? If he would have sold everything and given it to the poor, what would have happened? What would have been different? You see, common knowledge would say that, that he would have been now qualified to enter the kingdom of heaven. Like you did what Jesus said for you to do and you sold everything, gave it to the poor. Okay, now you're qualified. Like, like you've, done, you've done enough to fill that gap, and now you can have a relationship with God forever and ever and ever. Now, it's, it's, we can't get caught up in this because, because the Bible teaches us no, that there's never enough that we can do to be able to qualify to enter the kingdom of heaven. Even if he sold everything, the Bible teaches us, he would always fall short. You see, even if you flip the story, and we weren't talking about a rich young ruler, let's say we were talking about a, a poor old beggar, right? What if it was a poor old beggar that came up to Jesus and said something to the effect of, I sold everything that I had and I gave it to the poor. What would have Jesus answered this guy? Well, he would have probably answered him, well, okay, so you've done all these things. Well, one thing you lack, stop committing adultery. And maybe this, this, this poor old beggar would have left sad because of his many wives. And so even if we flip the story, Jesus is trying to convey that we all have our breaking point. This moment in our life when we realize there's not enough that I can do to fill the gap between me and God. You see, we're going back to the definition of what good means. What does good mean? And back to the original definition of what Jesus said, there is only one that is good. And that person is God. You see, the goal was to, to bring them to the, to the point where the gap becomes very obvious. And, and that's, that's actually the point that I want to bring us to, to where we can understand that this gap between us and God is, is, is obvious. There's, there's nothing that we can do to fill this gap. You see, James 2.10 says this. He says, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles 
at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. It's like a house of cards. You know, you take one card out, the whole thing falls apart. You say, come on, let's be honest with each other. Have you ever lied? Have you ever had a bad thought, right? That means we're guilty of all of it. And we can't ever compensate for that. It makes us unfit to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's why we could ask ourselves, why did Jesus ask this guy to sell everything if it wasn't going to help? Why would Jesus ask him to do that? The reason why Jesus asked him to do that is because he was bringing him to the point where he would realize that it is never good enough. Romans 3.20 says this, therefore, listen to this, this is very important. Romans 3.20 says, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become what? Conscious of sin. The law allows us to see the gap. We, we understand that we missed the mark. We see this separation between us and God. And understanding that separation is so essential for us to have self-awareness and understanding who we are and who we are not. That's why God is holy. He's set apart. So no matter how much we do, we will never be declared fit for heaven. Now, I know that seems cruel. It's, it seems like bad news, but it's actually great news. It's so great news because you may ask yourself, well, why would God torture us with laws to do? Well, the reason, and we just read it, because it makes us aware of the gap. It makes us aware of the necessity. When we have the high standard that we understand, we can never get there. We need a Savior. It's so important. That's why Jesus pushed him to the point. He pushed the, the, this man to the point to, he, to where he would realize his insufficiency. And the point that Jesus was bringing this man to is such an important point for us to come to as well. That's why Jesus says to the disciples after the, the rich young ruler leaves, he, he, he reads and he, sa uh, he says that in, chapter, in verse 23, he says, Jesus looked around at his disciples after this guy left. He looks around at his disciples and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And, and I imagine their reaction. They're like, yeah, it's so hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God because they're rich, you know, they're greedy, you know, they're so selfish and all that kind of stuff. And then he continues. Jesus continues. He says in verse 24, the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again. So he says the same thing again. He says it twice. He says, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. And this is so fascinating to me because the, the, the first time he says, how hard is it for the rich? And then the second time he says, children, how hard it is. So what is he doing? I think what he's doing is he's taking the word rich out and he's putting their own name in there. How hard is it for, for anyone to enter the kingdom of heaven? You see, if greed is not your gap between you and God, then it's lust. If it's not lust, then it's lying or it's evil thoughts, or it's envy. No matter what it is, there is a gap between you and God that you cannot fill yourself. This is so important to understand. So I want to ask you that very question today. So let's fill that gap, like what, like what Jesus was asking the disciples to do. Let's fill that gap. How hard it is for Josh Phillips to enter the kingdom of heaven? Say that with your own name. How hard it is for to enter the kingdom 
of heaven. Now, the beautiful thing is that Jesus literally answers this question. He continues in verse 25. He said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich, rich to enter the kingdom of God. He's saying, hey, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. What is he saying? Is he saying that it's hard? Is he saying that it's really hard for a camel to go through the eye of a needle? Is he saying that it's hard? No. Is it hard for a camel to go through the eye of a needle? No, it's not hard. It's impossible. And the same is true for you and me. And then the obvious question comes up in verse 26. It says the disciples were even more amazed, thinking, and they said to each other, who then can be saved? Who then can be saved? So they got it. They understood it. Who then can be saved? It's a good question, right? Here's the answer. No one. No one can be saved because there will always be this gap. And so hopefully today, I will push you, I will help you. I'm pushing myself too, to the point to where Jesus was pushing his disciples and to the point where he was push, pushing the rich young ruler and to the point that he was pushing uh, the, the, the crowd in the Sermon on the Mount, pushing them to that limit to where the gap seems so obvious. You see, you see he's not saying that, that entering the kingdom of heaven is easy. He's not saying that entering the kingdom of heaven is hard. He's saying that entering the kingdom of heaven is impossible. And then he continues in verse 27. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, with man, it is impossible. In other words, no matter how good you are, no matter how generous you are, no matter how many times you pray or how many things that you do, it is impossible. And so you may think about this and you may think, well, then where's our hope in all of this? If we can't save ourselves, for some of you, it's obvious, but it's a good reminder. It's a good reminder to understand. And then, and then he, he continues. He says, he says, but not with God. With man, it's impossible. Of course, I can't do anything to fill that gap. But with God, what does it say? He says, all things are possible with God. You see, Jesus fills the gap and nothing else. Ephesians 2.8 says this. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves it is what a gift from God you see salvation does not come from you it doesn't come from me it doesn't come from anything other than God himself because his goodness is the one that, it, that allows us to enter into heaven and it is a gift so important it is a gift a gift from God and so with a gift this this, this gift of salvation you have two options with a gift, like you receive a gift, you have two options. Either you receive the gift or you reject it. Two things. You can't earn it. It's a gift. By definition, a gift is something that you just receive. So you can either reject it or you can receive it. And so what I want to do today is I want to invite you to receive this gift by faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 talks about the, the concept of faith. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. So faith, but faith in what? Faith in what? Faith in believing that Jesus, with his sacrifice, is the only one that can fill that gap, which can allow us to enter the kingdom of God. You see, in the Old Testament, we would try to fill the gap 
you know, with sacrifices and, and burned offerings and all these things that would sort of fill the gap in a, in a strange way, in a, in a temporary way. It would go away every year, every certain amount of time you had to fill the gap again. But Jesus filled the gap for us once and for all. And so putting your faith in that, in the sufficiency of Christ, is what allows for you to enter into the kingdom of God. So important to understand when we talk about self-awareness, we can't save ourselves. We can't. I mean, we can do good things and it's good to do good things, but those good things that we do aren't filling that gap. It is only Christ. It is only Christ. And so I want to invite you today that, that, that you will think about what we've said. And maybe in your life, you've been trying to fill that gap with your goodness or your prayers or your coming to church with, which are all good things, but let's not deceive ourselves. That gap can only be filled by Christ and his sacrifice. He paves the way for us to go in and there's nothing that we can do. It is a gift from God. So here's what I want to do now. I want to, I want to um, ask you to close your eyes. If you're with someone next to you, just hold their hand and, and close your eyes. And I'm going, to, I'm going to say a few things and then we're going to pray together. And I'm going, to, I'm going to invite you, if you have never done this before, or maybe you want to renew your relationship with God, that you'll receive this free gift of salvation. And so let's, you're going to hold your hands with the person next to you and close your eyes. And, and here's the thing that I want to say before we pray is that the thing that I've always had a hard time with is that I always have this false idea that God is disappointed in me. I've always thought that I have to do things so that God can look at me favorably. In other words, that I have to sort of fill that gap so that God can look at me and, 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 and be like proud of me. And so maybe, maybe you're, you're kind of like that. I mean, that, that's my whole thing. I, I try to fill that gap on my own and, and I realize that it, it's, it's, not, it's useless to do that. But that's me. But maybe for you it's different. Maybe, maybe even in these strange times that we're living in, it's getting even worse. I mean, some of you guys, maybe you're, you've been striving to just be good and be good and be good. Maybe you've been stressing. Maybe you've been trying to accomplish things in your life to be able to restore your relationship with God. And you've been trying to fill this gap. And I want you to listen to me right now. It's never going to be good enough. Stop trying to fill that gap. You see, Jesus died for all of your shortcomings. Jesus died to pay all of your debts. Jesus died to right all of your wrongs. He died to make up for all of your mistakes. And some of you today, this morning, need to come to that realization, just like the rich young ruler. And you need to walk into the rest and to stop striving and to understand that, yes, we want to be good and do all good things. It's fine, but that will never fill the gap. We have to allow Jesus to come in to that space because Jesus loves you. And so if you want to make a decision for Christ this morning, I just want to ask you to repeat this prayer with me. Just say, say this with me. Jesus Christ, this morning, I realize that there is a gap that can never be filled by me. I invite you to fill this gap in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.